Hello, I'm Michael Watson, and this is the Influence Watch podcast. A few months ago, President Joe Biden announced that the government would forgive up to $10,000 per borrower in federal student loan debt, with at best dubious legal justification, with the cost to the Treasury estimated at $300 billion if it goes into effect. Lawsuits were immediately filed. One such lawsuit was filed in Texas with the support of the Job Creators Network Foundation, challenging the action as unconstitutional. Last week, the program was struck down at the trial court level. Joining us to discuss the litigation is JCN Foundation's Chief Legal Officer, Karen Harned. Uh, Karen, before we begin, could you tell us a little bit about your background and how you ended up with Job Creators Network Foundation? Great. Yes. Thanks for having me, Mike. Um, I uh, had worked for 20 years, actually, representing small businesses with the National Federation of Independent Business, Small Business Legal Center. I um, was really, it's, I was its second executive director, but really built it from the ground up. And over that time was able to bring, um, successfully, well, I brought, um, several lawsuits to the Supreme Court. We did the first challenge to Obamacare. Unfortunately, we, we, as our attorney said, the operation was a success, but the patient died. We did not overturn <laughs> Obamacare, of course, but we did make some good law that has been used subsequently. Most recently, we filed and won our lawsuit challenging the OSHA vaccine mandate that would have required all employers with 100 or more employees to get their employees vaccinated or test them weekly um, and require them to mask at work. So um, I was looking for a new challenge and um, job creators was looking to expand their litigation program. And so now I'm helping them do that. And this is my first lawsuit with them, but not their first lawsuit. <laughs> I see. I see. Uh, so let's move on to the, uh, to the student loan program. Um, what did the Biden administration do? Yes. So um the administration, Biden had, you know, promised during the election that he would, you know, forgive student loan debt at some level, right? And um, so they were looking at ways to do that. And they determined that they could use what's called the HEROES Act to um, call it a national emergency because of the pandemic, even though um, just the summer or even like late summer, of the Biden administration had declared that emergency over, right? Like CDC had to declare it over. Other parts of his administration had declared it over. Use that to forgive the loans for, you know, um, all students that either are individuals making up to $125,000 um, in 2020 or 2021, or couples making up to $250,000 in those same tax years. Um, and, um, if, if you got a Pell Grant, if you had received a Pell Grant, you would get $20,000. If you uh, did not receive a Pell Grant, you would get $10,000 worth of forgiveness. And so why, I guess just playing devil's advocate, like why would anyone oppose that? You know, isn't it nice that, that kids get their get their debt written off? Well, okay. <laughs> um, we actually do agree that there is a problem, like the, that the student mm -hmm. loan crisis 
is a crisis and needs to be addressed. We do not think this was the way to solve it. First of all, as I'm sure we're going to get into, we think it was illegal. Um, But second of all, let's face it, for these colleges that are now charging, you know, tens of thousands of dollars a year to students, $10,000 or $20,000 in forgiveness is just a drop in the bucket. Meanwhile, you've got the the university sitting on seven hundred billion or more in endowments, and you know, giving, um, you know, and you've got the government now in the loan business giving loans to anybody for any course they may take, even though ultimately it may not be an economically viable right. career it's, choice. For it's, them. It's, it, it's it's subsidy cap. The the government is spending all this money on the higher education industry, and then rather than uh, those savings quote unquote savings being passed down to the, the consumer or the student, it's being eaten up by the higher education. A hundred percent. And you're seeing it. I mean, my, I wish I'd gone to school now. I mean, my dorm room was garbage. I mean, I, it's just amazing what the kids are getting and, and, you know, good for them, but there is a cost. And um, unfortunately there's also, you know, you really have a perfect storm where you've got the government giving the money with kind of a wink and a nod to the universities, and you're giving it to the people in our um, society that are the least, um, you know, they just don't have a lot of experience with loans, right? They're just coming out of high school. So they don't understand really what and, money and they're means. Then, and, they're then and, they're, and they're then non-dischargeable. In correct, America. correct. So anyway, long story short, we have great empathy for the students that are out there that that need this forgiveness. We've talked to people that actually it's crazy. They continue to make their payments, yet their loan balance keeps on going up because of just, you know, in some cases, the predatory rates that they're being charged for those loans. So the crisis is real. We just think that this was not the answer, um, especially because of how the administration did it. You know, Congress had tried... Right, so rather, rather than... Right. So rather than going to Congress and saying, we have a serious problem with higher education finance in this country, you know, we we're not getting, you know, it's it's too expensive to the student and uh, too expensive to the taxpayer. And we're not getting what we want out of higher education. Uh, the administration just said, we're writing off these laws. Correct. And did they do it with any of our input? No, they did not do it through Congress. They did not. Congress tried twice and couldn't get it done. Um, they didn't even do it through the typical rulemaking procedures. And that was actually the basis for our could case. You explain, could you explain how the how the rulemaking procedure is supposed to work when a federal rule is made for our listeners who might not Correct. know? Correct. So there's this arcane law called the Administrative Procedures Act, but it actually is very important because as our our federal agencies have grown, we all need to say when they're writing the rules, implementing the laws on the books. And what that means is you typically, you know, they'll propose a program, right? And this, they would say 10,000, you know, I gave you the parameters of this program, $10,000 or 20,000 for Pell Grant recipients up to a certain level. And then you have a chance to respond. Typically, it's 30 to 60 day comment period, and then they have to address those comments. And our um, plaintiffs did not get the full benefit of the bargain, if you will. One plaintiff didn't, doesn't even, isn't even eligible for student loan forgiveness. She got her loans before the government took those over, um, but she still has loans. The other, um, 
did not get um, was not eligible for a Pell grant, so he gets ten thousand, but he doesn't get twenty thousand. Plus, you've got universities that are stakeholders. You've got other Americans that might like to weigh in on this. Instead, it was just done in a dark room um, with the you know president and his folks, and they just arbitrarily came up with these parameters with no um, input from the public at all, and that's not legal. So. As, as we're trying to figure out, you know, how how is this legal, uh, there's been a lot of discussion about standing. And if what could you explain what legal standing is and why this case, uh, all the cases challenging the student loan program have are are sort of centered on standing? So if you don't like a law, right, and you want to challenge it or a government action, you want to challenge it, you can't just do it because you don't like it. You have to show that you've actually been harmed. And so standing, although a lot of people think that the government overreached here, and obviously our judge did as well in this case, it was who's actually harmed here, right? Because they're giving money away. But we were able to show that our plaintiffs were denied the process protections that um, the law guarantees when federal programs are um, developed. All the law requires to show standing, quite frankly, for notice and comment, lack of notice and comment rulemaking, is could you envision the program being different if somebody got to say, hey, what about me? What about this instance? Well, I think it's very easy for us to think about that and see that. Yeah. So even if the government had no intention of actually changing the program, just the possibility that that a plaintiff could say, hey, I would benefit if X change were made. Is that? Yes, that's exactly right. And so um, so that was our that was our standing argument. And we we you know, we felt like we were very solid on that because they are very representative of truthfully, probably millions of people out there that are in the same boat that could have said something and had no chance to. Mm-hmm. And then didn't the government say that like nobody had standing? Yeah. <laughs> the government didn't like, yes, they, yeah, they, they, they really, and, and honestly they were very creative in trying to get it so that everybody was boxed out. But ultimately um, they, they argued that the heroes act um, doesn't require this notice and comment rulemaking, that that can be waived. That is, in fact, true. However, as our judge said in our case, when the HEROES Act was enacted, it was in response to 9-11. And he thought, he's, as he said, an eighth grade civics class is not going to think that when Congress enacted that law to um, provide relief to the service personnel at the time, that they were envisioning the government rolling out a 400, 300, 400 billion dollar program where all student loan, you know, people with student loans in America could, you know, claim this, pandemic two years in the, and, and get relief. Does, does this get into the major questions issue that's been gone to the Supreme Court? Correct. This is, um, yes, becoming a big area of the law and the Supreme Court is very interested in it just at the very end of last term, the very last case they decided was West Virginia versus EPA. And the issue there is, look, when you've got a program that the federal government is rolling out that is going to have a significant impact on the economy, they need to show that Congress actually envisioned that program happening. And nobody 
envisioned this program happening when the HEROES Act was enacted. Right. So so, so if Congress had passed a law saying these particular student loans are waived, that might be a good policy, that might be a bad policy, but it would at least presumptively be a legal policy. The but because the administration just said, you know, we're taking the statute from 20 years ago and ju- using it to justify this thing that we want to do, that Congress never said, go do this big thing, that that then is is what's causing some of the legal, legal That's trouble. That's 100% true. Just think about it. You know, all the laws on the books. And yes, I get that Congress isn't passing things right now. Well, you know, then people need to lobby harder for those policy changes because agencies shouldn't be able to just walk into the library and say, oh, now today we're going to use this law to justify this, you know, $100 billion program or that one. I mean, that that is just, you know, that's not our republic. That's not what the our founders envisioned. And it's not good. I mean, that's just not good for all in, of in, us. In the, in, the, in the separation of powers, the, the power to legislate is with Congress, not with administrative agencies. A hundred percent. And in fact, our judge said that. He said, in looking at this program, this is, in his recollection, the biggest use of legislative authority by the executive branch, by the president, that he had seen in the history of, of um, the country. Wow. Oh. Um, so where does this where does this now go from here? Obviously, the the government presumably is not going to take this lying down and will appeal. Uh, where do where does the where does your case go? Correct. So in fact, the government did appeal. They appealed right after our decision or father notice to appeal, and now um, you know we're up on appeal at the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. In addition, the state attorneys general uh, from Missouri and Nebraska. Uh, four other states, um, have a case that is up at the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals. Um, They just got a preliminary injunction. So we got the program vacated. They got it enjoined. So bottom line is the government cannot do it right now. Um, Doubly so, I guess is what I would say. Uh, But I think, you know, this is one where it's, it's a big deal. It's a lot of money. Um, it's a big issue. It's in the news. So I am going to be very surprised if it does not end up at the Supreme Court. It could be sooner rather than later. It's just going to depend on how these appeal, how quickly these appeal court appeals courts. Rule. So depending depending on yeah. how on how it on how it goes, correct, the appeals courts correct. could end up in the Supreme Court. Uh, anything else you guys are working on or any other items that, that you'd like to note for our listeners? Um, well, we are uh, busy, I guess, now um, with the new house. You know, we're also, we've got our small business prosperity plan. We represent small businesses and have an agenda that we think would help that community in light of inflation and the, you know, supply chain disruptions and the tight labor market. So we're working on um, those issues as well. And then we're going to continue to look um, and fight government overreach of the courts. That's just very much um, something we feel charged to do. So I'd love to think this is our last lawsuit, but given this um, administration's uh, tendencies, I have a feeling it will not be. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's, it's the classic, it's the classic advocacy uh, advocacy bind, you know, the, the, I, I wish I didn't have a job, but (laughs) (laughs) absolutely. (laughs) 
All right. Well, thanks again to Job Creators Network Foundation Chief Legal Officer Karen Harned for joining us. That's our show for this week. We encourage our listeners to subscribe on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. And if you have subscribed, thank you. And please leave us a five-star rating. Those ratings really help us find new listeners, especially if they come with a positive review. We'll see you all next week. Thank you.